Welcome back once again to Comic Book Storylines. I'm Brian Sorensen. You also know me as Bri the Comic Book Guy on Instagram. If you have any questions, comments, anything, you name it, you can email me, Guy at gmail.com. If you're searching for any of the issues that I've talked about in any of these podcasts, I can kind of lead you in the right direction, too. These next three weeks, we're going to dive deep into some of the characters we will be seeing a lot of in the upcoming Marvel movies, and some we've already seen in some fashion. For those who aren't too familiar with the bad guy Kang, this, is, this one has him featured in it heavily, along with some of the other characters we've seen in the Loki TV show as well. You're also going to hear about someone who's pretty much an honorary Avenger and has been since the first meeting of them because he's sort of responsible for bringing them together. Let's talk about the 12-part miniseries called Avengers Forever. It takes place in the early 2000s, around the same time as Avengers met up with the Justice League. It kind of happened kind of, eh, kind of about a year or so after that. It features half of that same creative team in this one too, so with the amazing Kurt Busiek. So I'll be featuring all these issues as well each week as we discuss them. This first part is going to be issues one through four of Avengers Forever. The story starts off in the future. We see the inhabitants of a planet in what's called the Beta Centauri system in the 26th century. So we're long ways away and pretty far out there. It's a thriving civilization, but I feel like that's going to be changing when I first read it. Suddenly, everyone on the planet is frozen in time. Then a bunch of familiar-shaped aircraft begin to attack the planet. They're giant Quinjets. So as the reader, you're going, what's going on here? Hundreds of figures start pouring out of them, too. And as the narrator says who they are, they all look very familiar. Hammer troopers with their thunder hammers destroy temples, towers, and palaces. But they all look like Thor. And then you got repulsor troopers attacking bridges and vehicles. And they are all copies of Iron Man. The shieldsmen cut through all the frozen in people, oh, frozen in time people, and they all have shields with a giant big A on them. And then they have the micro swarms flood through hard to reach places and finish off anybody that's remaining. Then we finally see after the smoke clears who's leading them. He says his name is Johns Rickert, commander of the Galactic Avenger Battalion, and kin to Emperor Rickert who rules over all. He's claiming a small number of, pop of the population tried to rebel against the Terran Empire, but now the whole planet had to pay the price. How this is the fate of anyone who defies the mighty Avengers. They all leave, and a group of figures is watching on. Longtime comic book fans will recognize these as the Time Lords, and we saw an aspect of these guys in Loki Season 1. They say this will not do at all, and steps must be taken. Present day... The blue area of the moon, we briefly saw in Justice League and Avengers, that the Justice League were curious about in this, uh, in this area. Well, it houses, besides a lot of historical moments in Marvel's history, a shield maximum holding facility. Now, the team of Avengers at this time in the comics have brought one of their friends, a long-standing character named Rick Jones. By the way, the Avengers in the present day are the characters pretty much uh, the roster that was in Justice League versus Avengers. So their best friend, Rick Jones, who's... Been a sidekick to Hulk and even the Avengers themselves many times since the 60s. He's hurt and is a stasis tube. Readers get to see some of the flashback of his earlier encounters with the Avengers first forming and how much of a hero he's been over the years. He's even been granted powers, too, by the character High Evolutionary and the character the uh, Supreme Intelligence as well uh, in the famous Kree vs. Skrull War. One day we'll cover that as well because that is an old, old Avengers storyline. But they, as the, the powers begin to fade, he ends up showing recently that he came to the Avengers for help and he collapsed and they can't figure out what it is. 
They've had former Be- uh, Avengers Beast and Giant Man working with Iron Man to try and figure out what it is, but they couldn't. So they decided to bring him to the Supreme Intelligence because they said an energy signature matches Kree energy waves from when Rick first gained those powers way back in the day. So they're like, okay, well, we're going to bring him up. So they bring him to the blue area of the room and have uh, a talk with the Supreme Intelligence. Uh, we've seen this character before in Captain Marvel as an AI computer program, but in the comics, he's a lot different. It was a big difference between the movies and the comics. He's this massive green blob of a brain with a face that lives in this big container of fluid. I, can't, I don't make this up. This was the 60s and the 70s. That's, that's what they did. That's what the character looks like in the comics. So the Avengers brought Rick to the intelligence for help, and since he was the one who unlocked Rick's powers way back in the day, they said, you know, you can do this, you can figure it out, you need to figure out what's going on. So the intelligence wants them to leave him in his presence, and he'll report back when he has something. The Avengers aren't too happy about it, but they go along with it for Rick's sake. So after they leave, a figure steps out of the shadows, apparently someone who's frequently visiting the Supreme Intelligence due to their conversation. They talk about how they know why Rick is there, and how humanity is at a pivotal moment in humankind's destiny towards freedom or stagnation. The cloaked figure says that he serves the balance and thus must be involved, and they are still his people. So we're trying to figure out who is this guy and who's his people. So the Supreme Intelligence reveals that they've worked long and hard influencing Rick and manipulating the Avengers. So this is like a fruition of a plan that's taken a long time to do. The cloaked figure has no choice but to proceed now, and he said he is going to alert the one who must hear of these developments. The figure disappears. Then we see the longtime Avengers foe, Immortus, who we briefly saw in a, in a movie. No, not too many spoilers there in case anybody hasn't seen some of the recent films, but he is an aspect of Kang from a future timeline. He says this moment, Rick is in front of the Supreme Intelligence, something he must pay attention to. He's watching this from his, you know, his other dimensional realm where he is. He says that he realizes what he must do. So he sends one of his lackeys called Tempest to kill Rick. But just as he's about to strike Rick down, another figure enters the room, and it's Kang, the bad guy Kang. He's a long-time Avengers bad guy, and we saw him in Ant-Man uh, Quantumania. So uh, this is just something that uh, he's not wanting Immortus to do, which is going to be kind of confusing because they are two different versions of the same character, but they don't really like each other, and you'll see this in the future. So Kang doesn't want this to happen, so he's trying to stop Tempest, and he says, you know, you must stop what you're doing, but Tempest calls him master, but Kang doesn't know him, but he knows that he is his future Master Kang and Immortus, and they're the same guy, but Kang doesn't know what he is, so he ends up, you know, just taking him out. And Immortus doesn't like this, so he sends more minions that enter the fray, and then he ends up losing all those guys. So then it ends up being Kang versus Immortus, two of the versions of the same character in the same room. So we're doing great so far. <laughs> Rick suddenly wakes up, and he's in the middle of the battle, and he sees that cloaked figure return. The Supreme Intelligence says the moment has arrived. The turning point has come. The youth has awakened and his potential builds. Now, Kang and Immortus are at a stalemate, so he can use this moment to his own advantage. He busts Rick out of the medical unit before the Supreme Intelligence can do what he can do. The cloak figure touches Rick, and suddenly seven bolts of energy spew from him, and they land in this area. When the smoke clears, here stands seven different Avengers. 
different ones from the beginning. We see Giant Man and the Wasp, Yellow Jacket, which is really confusing because Yellow Jacket is a past character that Hank Pym played. Hawkeye from way back in the day when his costume was in the 70s and he didn't have any of his trick hours or anything. A villain called Songbird, who at this time in the comics history and the present is on the bad guy team Thunderbolts. And someone who looks like Captain Marvel and then Captain America. And that's kind of how the issue ends. So we're like, woof, that was a big first issue. So we pick up uh, in Avengers Forever number two. The newly arriving Avengers are still trying to figure out what's going on when they are told by Kang and the intelligence that they need to aid him against Immortus for the life of Rick Jones. Captain America is hesitating, and everybody's looking to him to lead, but then Wasp suddenly takes charge. They're confused on who is who, but they know most of them are Avengers. They're still trying to figure out who are all these different characters. And we see Songberg, based on her conversations with Captain Marvel, a figure that is called Captain Marvel, they appear to be from the same time frame. They talk about how this must be the, the start of the Destiny War. So then we kind of figure out that that's what they were talking about earlier about Destiny. So that's the second reference to it so far. The Avengers are all trying to figure out where they are and what's going on. And we've seen them all before, but they, they end up being from all different timelines. Captain America is the one acting the weirdest. He's definitely not the Captain America we know. Suddenly, Immortus starts talking. He's telling them his powers are shrinking Kang's time bubble until they will be trapped in the current time forever. There's nothing they can do to prevent it. Kang pretty much shrugs it off and tells him to do his worst. Suddenly, Rick is surrounded with energy, and he tells them that he has the power within him to be reawakened, and he can stop the time bubble from shrinking. Now, Immortus realizes that he's outmatched, clearly, but he and Kang still take their jabs at each other because they're both bad guys. They have to keep taking back-and-forth jabs at each other. But then Immortus finally vanishes. He's clearly afraid of what Rick Jones's powers are, but he still tells them that they will lose. Kang says, leave Immortus to him, and he tells the team to guard Rick with their lives and then vanishes. So Hawkeye asks what's going on and says he doesn't know who Kang and Immortus are, so that means he's from a past, but after he had given up his trick arrows, and he's just a plain old archer. Rick suggests that he's from an era right after the Creed Scroll War happened, and he's right. His powers begin to fade, and Giant Man ends up catching him. The cloaked figure returns, but shows himself finally. His name is Libra, Master of Time. Now, the Avengers have dealt with him before, so some of the ones that are in his presence know who he is. Captain America tells him he can't be trusted, and they're not going to follow him blindly, as, as well as the Supreme Intelligence. Based on where Captain America's timeline is from, he knows not to trust him. The Supreme Intelligence says follow him and everything will be explained more. So they do follow him while he's explaining what's going on. So that, uh, it's, it's going to be, it's, it's interesting what's going on so far. Uh, there's a lot going on back and forth in time. But it's basically, this story is going to be a time-traveling group of Avengers, is what I can say. And it's closely... Related to what happened in uh, Avengers Endgame, I mean, they kind of did the same thing where it was a bunch of time-traveling Avengers. This is kind of where the story is going to end up seeing familiar to those of you that watch just the movies. So right now, Libra is taking them on a journey. He ends up taking them into an unfamiliar part of the blue area of the moon, and they're asking where he's being take that he's taking them. He goes, we are in between, neither here or there, but in a place between places, as this, I suppose, is as good a place as any to stop and catch our breath. So he's trying to answer their questions. 
It basically runs down of a background for those that aren't familiar with him, who he was uh, back in the early Avengers days. He was part of a, a group of villains and everything, and he kind of reformed. Uh, but he started learning mastery of time and everything like that. So he has become this master of different things and everything like that. And he goes, my wanderings led me to areas of imbalance or turmoil as in reality itself. And this one is the most dangerous of all. It's Immortus's doing, Kang's motivation, and all this is simple. He's destined to become Immortus, but doesn't want to. So they're all saying that it's a pivotal moment, uh, an imbalance so great it could affect human destiny forever, and the pivotal point is the death of Rick Jones. And Rick goes, why my death? And he goes, I don't know at this point, which, uh, as Kang said, means staying out of the time stream is something you need to do. So guided by your protectors, we will definitely do that. And then Giant Man and Wasp are like, what makes that? Why is it going to be us that does it? And then some of the Avengers kind of get hot-headed and try and explain. Wasp calms them down. So then they run through who everyone is. Uh, Yellow Jacket, who is Hank Pym, he is from a point in the Avengers past where Hank had had like some mental instability and had like a... A different sort of character. He wasn't the the Hank Pym that everybody knew, and he became the character Yellow Jacket. And for a time, he was married to Wasp, but he still doesn't know who the Giant Man is. So he's they're not trying to tell each other that they're both Hank Pym. So then we figure out Songbird is from a future that uh, she is on the Avengers team. She's no longer a bad guy, but the Avengers uh, accepted her into the ranks. We find out Hawkeye is from a time just after the Korean Scroll War, where he hooked up with a traveling carnival, and he gave up all of his trick arrows and his purple costume, and he just had like a generic, you know, hero costume. And then we see Captain Marvel is, it's, uh, he's from the same time frame as Songbird, so he's an Avenger in that time frame. And then we find out that Hank Pym, which is Giant Man and Wasp, are from the current team. They just kind of got pulled away. And then we see Captain America. And there's a pivotal point in Captain America's time uh, where there was a point where he was being framed for certain things. And he was in Washington, D.C., and he was fighting this thing called the Secret Empire. He chased the leader into the White House, and then he saw the person commit suicide rather than face imprisonment. He was a high-ranking official placed in position to overthrow the government, so he took the coward's way out. But at this point, Captain America was kind of demoralized. He didn't know what to do. So at this point, this is like right after Captain America was pulled right out after this happened. So he's really doubting himself. So they all kind of agree that Wasp is going to be their leader instead of Captain America. So, you know, they just chose her over Cap because of his kind of imbalance, as you can say in this point. So then they all decide to follow Libra. So they end up in this area. This It looks like an ancient area, but apparently it is in the current timeline in the 20th century. They're on another planet, and it's all in ruins. So then they're looking around, seeing what's going on, and they see it's all under attack by all of these. There's this big citadel, and it's under attack by all these individuals. And then you see a big shadowy figure of uh, Mortis in the background. He says, welcome, Avengers. It seemed you've saved me the trouble of having to search for you. You've arrived sooner than I remembered, but you're far too late to save Kang but you are in plenty of time for me to shatter you and take the boy. That's how issue two ends, so we're only halfway through this part of the adventure. So next issue, it sounds like there's going to be some stuff going down. 
As promised, the action does continue with Avengers Forever number three. The Avengers are immediately seen by the attacking ship, so then they turn on the Avengers, and they're like, hey, scatter, we've been seen. So Rick Jones is handed off to Cap, who's kind of keeping him hidden and everything, because they need to keep him safe. So the other Avengers do what Avengers do, and they start getting the bad guys. And we see how kind of reckless Yellow Jacket is compared to Hank Pym's mannerisms and everything. But anybody that was a reader of the Avengers at the time know that he was like that. So he's going off and he's wondering, wow, this Janet is not like my Janet. I wonder if she's like that at all. So they end up taking out most of the bad guys, their craft and everything, and they run into some of Kang's elite guard called the Acronauts. So they end up being taken to a place where Kang is trying to make an exact replica of a time machine he first used because he's trying to, you know, hide Rick in time. So he seems like he's generally trying to help the Avengers at this time, but you never know because he's a bad guy. Uh, And Kang's like, you know, calm yourself, guys. Uh, This is the best place to keep Rick Jones outside the time stream where Mortis can't reach him. And it was Rick's decision to bring him there because Rick used his powers to bring him there. So like, okay, let's we're going to have to hide and everything, so what do we need to do? Kang is like, you neither flee nor surrender, whatever the odds, like myself. You know that combat means something and honor and more. And so they're just like, what are you talking about? You're just kind of like forcing us to do this. So he's he's getting kind of mad at the Avengers. They're kind of almost balking out of not wanting to do it. And he's like, he calls himself the master of time, this Immortus character. He's going to just reduce all of you guys to rubble. And I say, I, I will... I will take care of this. I'm the conqueror. We need to fight, kill it, and crush it. And that means you Avengers need to stand with me. And they're all like, will you stand against Amortis with me? And you kind of see them all looking at each other like, eh, but then Wasp goes, all right, for now. So they're like, okay, what do we do now? Kang is the lesser of two evils. So we're going to follow him and kind of see where this leads to. It ends up being a little break in the action, so they kind of start talking to each other amongst themselves. Yellow Jacket wants to cozy up with Janet Van Dyne, but she goes, you know what, we're declaring personal lives off limits. We'll sort it out later, but this is all a time-traveling confusion, so I'm not going to be near you. You kind of do what your own thing. And we see Songbird and Hawkeye interact because they seem to be the two furthest apart in the time stream, and she remembers what Hawkeye was like because in the future he knows her, but she doesn't remember him in that stage. Now remember, he has no trick arrows, and he kind of makes reference to this multiple times, how I wish I still had my trick arrows. Then we see Captain Marvel, where it ends up being a future version of Captain Marvel, the son of the original Captain Marvel. And Rick knows this because for a little while he was bonded to this character, but this is a character in the future, so he's kind of wondering what's going on. And then you see Wasp, talking with Captain America and wanted to just clear the air and everything. And then Captain America starts wondering if he's even going to be useful. He's like, if I haven't outlived my usefulness as I have in this area. And she's like, no, you can't say that. Don't be putting yourself down and everything. You really need to just let it go. So then Songbird comes in and she goes, hey, the invaders are back. So she uh, she rallies the team and Wasp rallies the team. And it's a really cool two-page, big, huge picture where the Avengers are just going through creaming everybody alongside Kang, which is kind of weird from an Avengers fan standpoint. But you see them all just knocking through all these bad guys. And Mortis has pretty much sent a huge army to go through it. 
But the Avengers are kind of taking care of things as it's going on. You know, they're just kind of like on autopilot, and they're wondering if Captain America's end up going to be the cap that everybody else knows. But he's fighting mechanically what they call an autopilot, so they can't linger on what he's doing at all. But they're, they're still fighting. They're fighting through and everything. And it looks like they're getting ready to fist through all of Immortus's gang. But then Kang tells them to fall back. It's an honor to be uh, having you by my side, but we need to get Rick out of here. So Rick, uh, they say, get Rick out of here. So the Avengers are falling back while Kang holds the army off that's left and everything. And he leaves everybody to go run back and get Rick. So they're all running into Kang's time machine, which if you haven't seen it in any incarnation in the comics, it looks like a giant sphinx. He uses a giant sphinx to go back in time into like the Egyptian era, where he is another character that some of the Avengers people would realize is Ramatut. So he's all three characters. It is confusing, but you know, you do eventually figure it out. So Kang pretty much wants them to use his time machine and everything. So they're over by that. So Kang feels like he's held everybody off. You know, he's he's taking a breather. But then that character Tempest comes back and then he finds Immortus is right next to him. He goes, You're helpless, Kang, and you're so helpless that I'm going to clang claim the heart of forever. We don't really know what that is or everything, but as Immortus touches it, this big glow starts to form around him, and then the whole planet, which they call Chronopolis, begins to just totally crumble, twist apart and everything, and it ends up being completely obliterated in almost a half-page panel, but you see Kang's Sphinx time-traveling thing just kind of lift up and kind of disappear. But then you see Immortus holding on to something. He says, it is done. Chronopolis and all who dwelled in it are no more, converting this heart into the forever crystal. And with this crystal, I can change history and reflect those changes throughout all of the time stream, eliminating the Avengers forever. Their essences are not within the crystal, so they must have escaped. So he's, he's realizing he's getting ready to do everything, but then he realizes the Avengers aren't in there. What's going on? Then you flash to the Sphinx kind of like floating around in there. I will find them. They cannot accept their fate. So we pick up an issue four of Avengers Forever. The Avengers are in the Sphinx time machine, and they're going through this portal and everything. They're kind of going through. And then Hank Pym, both versions of Hank Pym, I know this is very confusing, Giant Man and Yellow Jacket, they start working the controls trying to figure out what's going on to kind of lead them to what they need to be doing and why Kang sent them in the first place into his craft. Uh, Yellow Jacket kind of gets annoyed that the Giant Man knows how to do everything, so he just kind of leaves. And he says there's three temporal imbalances like Kang was talking about. We need to figure out what they are and kind of try and stop them. So they start splitting up into teams of who's going to do what. So Wasp sends Hawkeye, Yellow Jacket, and Songbird to one of them. Then she sends Yellow Jacket, who's going to not be in charge, and Hawkeye's going to be in charge. He's like, all right, I'm going to be the leader. No, you're not. So he sends Giant Man and Captain America to one of the other anomalies, while Wasp and Captain Marvel take their own. So the Rick Jones goes, hey, what, do you, what about me? They're like, no, you're in a safe place if you're in this thing because we're kind of in the middle of everything. You stay here. So they all split off into these uh, aircraft things that Kang has that can go through the time frames and everything like that. And Rick is kind of just upset that he can't do anything. So the first 
team arrives. It's Giant Man and Captain America. Now, they end up going into this warped version of the 21st century. Uh, it is very strange. Now, it's familiar to longtime comic readers. It's in the time frame of a character called Killraven. Now, Killraven was a character, this was kind of like a standalone thing, where Martians invaded Earth in the mid-21st century, and Killraven was kind of like Earth's last defensive hero to kind of do this. So you're wondering, huh, what does this have to do with the Avengers? So Captain America and Giant Man are tearing through these Martians and everything like that, trying to save people that are being you know, shrugged off by these aliens and everything, and they're saved by a group, and it ends up being... A group of Avengers with the character Killraven, which we've never seen these characters before. But Killraven is holding like a holographic version of Captain America's shield. So right away you're just like, what the crap is going on here? But you see other characters like Crimson Dynamo, uh, and then you see Black Panther. So Black Panther goes, is that really you guys? And he takes off his mask, and he's got gray hair and gray beard and everything. So you see that it's from... a. a far out point into the future. So Captain America explains, we're investigating a temporal anomaly, and then uh, Black Panther goes, ah, the Destiny War. We've had to deal with that one on top of everything else. So you see the characters of the Avengers that are with them, the character Jocasta, who has been like a robotic life form in the Avengers time frame, Crimson Dynamo, Living Lightning, and Kill Raven. So it's kind of like a ragtag team, just like the time-traveling ones. So... Uh, they're just like, well, we'll help you figure it out, and if this is going to be it, then it'll be Earth's last battle. So then we see uh, Songbird with Hawkeye and Yellowjacket. They end up going to another point in time, too. They're trying to figure out where exactly they are. They're in uh, Tombstone, Arizona. So they're in the past, and then they're kind of in the wild, wild west. So they kind of get costumes and kind of look around, and they end up running into some Long time, if you're a fan of the Western comics, you would have heard of Kid Colt, Rawhide, Two-Gun Kid. They're, you know, heroes from the Old West, basically. So they end up running and seeing Kang, and he goes, I warned you to stay out of my business. And Two-Gun Kid is like, Kang, what are you talking about? And there's dinosaurs. So there's dinosaurs surrounding people in the Old West. They're like, oh, I think we found the, uh, the time variance in what's going on with this one. So Kang is just kind of watching from afar and everything, and they're led to this cave. And then we see them enter the cave, and then we don't see what happened after that. So then we go to the last team, which is Captain Marvel and Wasp. They end up they end up in California in 1959. So they're trying to figure out what's going on here. So they're looking at the papers, and they're wondering what's going on. And they're like, hey, uh, are you guys uh, are here for something? Uh, even uh, Nixon's going to be there. And, and Captain Marvel's like, who's Nixon? And he's like, uh, let's just focus on what we're doing for right now. So they end up in a town carnival trying to see what's going on. They're at a fairgrounds, and it ends up being scrolls because Captain Marvel kind of has this cosmic sense. He ends up seeing scrolls, And as we know, you know, President Nixon is there. But in this one, Nixon turns into a scroll. So they're like, okay, he's being impersonated by an alien. We can't just go after him, so we need to figure out what's going on here. So then they end up following that scroll into a huge tent nearby and everything, and they end up going into there, and they're led to a team that's called the Avengers. 
and we see a couple of different characters that maybe we've seen before. It, one of them looks like Quasar, but we don't really know what it is because the issue kind of ends on a cliffhanger like, hey, we don't know who you guys are, but are you space aliens or what? You're going to go up against the power of the Avengers. That's kind of how issue four ends where these teams are all over the place, but they end up do running into heroes that could potentially help them figure out what's going on. So that's the end of part one of this Avengers Forever issues one through four. It's an amazing ride. The artwork is some of the f my, some of my favorite, and each issue has just like the coolest covers ever. Like I said, every issue is going to be shown on my Instagram. If anybody wants a group picture of all of them, you can email me at brythecomicbookguy at gmail.com, and I'll send it to you as well. So next time we are going to be covering the next part of Avengers Forever. Issues 5, 6, 7, and 8. That's a big bulk of the action that goes on there. And trust me, each issue is its own right. And I couldn't do this storyline justice in doing it in two parts and just kind of rush through. There's a lot going on, as you've heard so far. So next four are going to be just as jam-packed. So until next time, thanks for listening.